So what's next now, Chef? I'm going to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) This is Bang Gong Podcast. Exciting shit is about to happen because somebody paid to be on here. (laughs) So uh, I am Nick Jimenez. I'm here with Mike Beltran. Hello. And we are joined by special guest, Michael Schwartz. Say hello to the people. Hello. There he is. By the way, uh, I don't know if we went over it. Like, we can use all the bad words. Yeah. Great. That yeah. was like a All your favorite ones. Like shit. Like yeah. shit. <laughs> Shit's a lot of people's favorite. Awesome. Like very traditional choice. Right. Our last guests only found out after the fact. And yeah. they were like very. That they were allowed to curse. Yeah. And they didn't. Right. The whole and they time. didn't. I don't think they did. They, they didn't. The yeah. whole time. You were so also bad. on your very best behavior for that. I was very caffeinated, and I was just running through the body. Is that what caffeine does to you? It does. Wow. Yeah. So, Michael Schwartz, among many other things, which I'm sure we're going to touch on a whole bunch of them, James Beard Award winner, chef behind Michael's Genuine Food and Drink, Harry's Pizza, Tiger Tail and Mary very recently. Again, I'm sure we skipped all My new I know that we skipped over all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and also cookbooks, like Genuine Pizza, which is in this backpack nice. right here. Yeah. Um, we bought a copy. You did. We did. We did. I see that. Yeah. I see what you just did. Right? <laughs> uh, so we're going to get into uh, your career, how the two of you crossed paths, what that was like, why you bothered to keep him around, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But first, and this is the moment we've all been this waiting This is for. a monumental occasion. Really? This a, is a huge deal. I'm excited. Right. This is like, I, I still, it's hard for me to fathom that this actually happened. Go on, Nick. Wait, what are we excited about? That we have a paid-for Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I had a comment about that earlier. (laughs) You did? I'm not going to. No, you can't. Please feel free. No, no, no. We might even amazing. We'll take this audio. No, I think it's it's an amazing accomplishment, and you you guys should be really proud. Thanks, Chef. Such a peach. So (laughs) a word from our second-ever sponsor of Pancom Podcast, because longtime listeners will remember that our first sponsor was the Croqueta Doorstop, That's the doorstop right. that, that is was also manufactured a in our brain that was That's an actual right. person. So this episode of the podcast uh, is a little different because our new sponsor is uh, not only the maker of a different product, but is also real. We did not make them <laughs> up. Uh, many thanks to our friends at La Caja China. Mike, what is a Caja China? Well, um, the roasting box, the original roasting box. So I was introduced to that roasting box when I was very, very young, Mm -hmm. and my grandfather actually made his own from scratch. And uh, essentially coals on top of a wooden box that you cook a pig in. But La Cajachina, which I'm very lucky to have grown up with this family too, has almost uh, perfected the craft of building that box and essentially making something that used to take four hours to do, they can crack it down to 90 minutes which is something that they talk about a lot. That's pretty serious. 90 minutes to two hours, something like that, depending on the size of the hog. Depending on the size. Yeah, so um, they actually, what was it, five years ago that we were in that wonderful event? Yes. Yes, five years ago they made... That pig event? Yeah, that pig event. Not to be named? Whatever. They they did a custom-made box for that event for us. Was it like uh, die, cut, just... Yeah, that diamond load. plates. Yeah. Shit. But wh- how big was the pig? It was 270 pounds dead weight. What? Yeah. That's a lot of pounds. It was. We were supposed to feed like 600 people. So how did that pig come out? <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk. What? No, but I mean, it's a good story. Because I cooked the pig. Listen, I cooked the pig, and I fell asleep next to the pig overnight. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and the pig was a little dark. Yeah, and next time. to your cajachina. Next Since the they're guy. paying for this. Right. <laughs> and it was, but it was a beautiful piece of equipment. Can we weave the word, the words Kahachina into the whole, this whole segment? Yes. That's the whole point. Would that be good? By segment, yeah. you mean like the next hour? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. So that's any chance only, I get. Yeah, that's our only paid for advertisement. So there won't yeah. be any more. There's no more like segments. It's not we're going to uh, cut to commercial uh, break. Uh, Do uh, you have anything you want to say before I throw all these like uh, things we're supposed to say? Uh, about the, the Kahachina? Oh, about the yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. I think it's brilliant. You know, yeah. look, I'm a gringo from the Northeast. And when I first saw it, I was like, what? 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 You know, we... we I think it's amazing. Yeah. 
So I will note that if you go back into past episodes, you can find an interview that I did with Roberto Guerra, which we borrowed. So in my day job, I'm the senior editor at Cigar Snob Magazine. Got it. And I interviewed him for that one and one week that Mike left us hanging and couldn't record an episode. I just stole that episode from Cigar right. Snob, threw it in nice. our feed. All so you can go back and listen to that there. The Cajachina is made in the USA right here in Miami. They were founded in 1987. It is a family-run business. You can visit them at lacajachina.com for our Salina and New Hampshire uh, listeners. That is lacaja, L-A-C-A-J-A, China, like China, dot com, China. The, uh, their Instagram is lacajachina BBQ Grills. There are walk-in specials in their store, or you can order online free shipping. It's amazing. Free they shipping. need to work on that website. It's too long. Like a Hachina is okay. Dot com. Their Instagram is like a BBQ grills. Yeah. <laughs> BBQ grills. I want to know how many of the uh, like the meat of the Cajachina, uh users actually refer to them as. I said, me Cajachina BBQ grill. I don't know. None, probably. None. You know, so, a lot of people. Um, use that around the country which i was very shocked yeah. to find out yeah and, and i'm sorry they don't like the majority of their sales are from outside of the state of florida this was because well, out- everyone in the state of florida has one, right. right or they make their own out of yeah. some regular so stuff that. and by the way if you are in miami they are or in the miami area they're at 7395 west 18th lane in hialeah so official right? is there a showroom no, I don't think so. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's just a, you know, like what, a What's a showroom really? You know, you know, I mean, they have the boxes there. We'll call it maybe a sh- they have they, like if, a, if there's a room they some, where some, they show stuff. Let's call it a showroom. Their some, showroom some is apparel. at seventy three ninety five. I still can't believe you brought up how that pig came out. Because you just reminded me. I would never even Fuck. remember. I get the worst memory. Don't ask me questions involving anything uh, pre uh, like. Yesterday, yeah. That's totally as long as we're on the subject, I'm going to note. So we have a story about you uh, fucking up a pig. Carlos and his dad actually won a uh, a Cajachina pig roast that. off, a, a cigar snob sponsored roast yeah. off. We kept it simple, stupid. <laughs> so yeah. that's the cool. key. So and also somebody came asleep. and cooked. Yeah, me and my dad, uh, we we were the ringers for the cigar snob for the cigar snob team, and we were competing against aging room. Aging Room Cigars, and Roberto Guerra himself was the judge, um, who's the owner of the, the company, and we won. We did a very kind of basic, uh, just... Uh, basic is better. But what did you win? Oh, just the satisfaction of winning. A yeah. big oh. roast off contest. Ah, okay. I win anything. I thought you won like a lap dance. No, no. That, Man. that would have been that would have been too much for that day. So Sorry. Michael Schwartz. That was awful. <laughs> I still can't believe you actually came on this show when we when they were like you should ask him to do it. I was like, there's no fucking way that you're gonna do this. Well, I would do it. You're here. I'm here. I do for you. Oh man, you're a sweet man. Seven years ago, you know, I worked for you man. seven years ago. A lot of people would never call me a sweet man. But that was it. Seven years. It's seven years now. Area turns four in January. Shit. I left Cyprus in August. It was ten days before my birthday. So, yeah, seven years. I was at Cyprus for three years. Mm-hmm. And three amazing, fun-filled. Really incredible years. I'm not, even bu- I'm not even bullshitting. I know you're grinning, but it was like really. It was. It was, it was a special place. It really was. So, um, at the time, I was working for Norman. And I wanted to move on. So, I applied there. I didn't meet you till after I got hired. Mm-hmm. Roel interviewed me. And Roel hired me. Uh-huh. So I met Michael for the first time, and I was like, you know, you're like, congratulations, don't fuck it up, and you just walked away from me. That was it? <laughs> that, was first, that was the whole interaction? That was the first day that I met you. And That's I was awful. Like, I guess, I guess I'm not, I'm going to try not to fuck it up, but I mean, it was like three really um, awesome years, and the one thing I will speak to the most, and I say it a lot, is... People always mention how you're very, like, uh, laser. Hey, Shan. I'm going to take this away because our guest is fasting. He's fasting. <laughs> I know. You had to do that right on air, did. didn't you? <laughs> Michael is fasting right now. I wish now. there was a way to get the look. It's not flat. It's, 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 a, it's <laughs> no, actually yeah. a cleanse. It's a cleanse. You're cleansing. Yeah. yeah, I'm eating, just not riettes and That's fine. Pate. It wasn't riette. It was chicken root, but it's fine. I'll put it back and sell it later. It looked to- delightful. Thanks. Yeah. 
Yes. No. So, so um, where was I? Oh, I was working for Norman, and I went to go work for you. And one thing that people always mentioned was like, you know, Michael's really tough. And I was like, I mean, okay. I mean, chefs are tough people. So the one thing that you are is you're pretty laser focused. Did you, I, did, did you find me tough? Let me get there. I'm not, right. Let me go through my spiel. Okay. I'll do the spiel first. I'm going to well, turn this around. That's totally tough. fine. That's totally fine. So we opened up Cyprus, and it was a, I mean, it was a decently intense opening. I mean, me and Roll working like tons, first opening of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know how that is. And I It mean, wasn't your first opening. No, no, but it was, you know, we yeah, I get just it. I get opened. It. So, I mean, obviously, after the first couple of months, things get easier. And, you know... Working with you was a pleasure. Why, thank you. And uh, you are tough, but it's not. You were always very. You treated me very well as an employee. Yeah. And that's something I tell people all the time. Like, you don't understand kind of like what it takes to be in that position until you're in that position. So. Thankfully, I'm in a position now that I'm responsible for a lot of shit. So people think I'm tough. Right. And people have said that I'm a little bit of an asshole. Right. And I'm like, that's totally fine. And I tell people more often now, I understand kind of like how you were when I first met you more now than I did then. Yeah. But I also remember when you would come into the kitchen for whatever reason, you would always give me a hug and say hello, which... I thought was something that always stood out to me. Like this guy is really fucking cool. And there was plenty of times in those three years that my life sucked. It was dreadful that I would say, Hey, can I come by and chat? And you had a lot of things that you were responsible for and you still made time to talk to me, Yeah, which is not normal for a lot of people. A lot of people wouldn't make that time. So that's something that I learned no matter how big things get, I'll still always make time for people because it's very important and it will have an impact for, I mean, it's seven years ago. Yeah, and I'm yeah. still talking about it now. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I think that it's interesting because we don't really, like you said, we don't realize the impact that people have on us until sure. much later, which is sort of unfortunate, right? Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, my first job, in Philly, I worked for a guy. His name was Toto, like the Wizard of Oz. It's a the great dog. name. Toto. Great. Antonio Schiavone. Okay. Toto. Straight off the boat. Little guy. And he was like, he was the maitre d' of this restaurant. He didn't own it, but it was he, he, he ran it. And he was tough. And he took me under his wing, right? And he was cool, and he was like my second father, and opened a checking account for me. I was just cleaning out my office drawer because I moved offices. Mm -hmm. And I have this old check with his name on it and my name, co-account. Anyway, so he was super cool. Worked for that company for about five years. And he was like my mentor. And I had an opportunity. Well, I didn't even have an opportunity. I made an opportunity for myself. And I was going to move to California and find a job. And a lot of people thought that that was a bad idea, including my dad and including him. It was turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. I moved to California. I worked for Wolfgang. I, I went on to travel. It opened my eyes to a lot of things. But my point is, when I told that guy I was leaving, not to go across the street or to his competitor, but I was leaving to go spread my wings, move to California, he told me to get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. I was like... Get the fuck out of what? Like, what? And so that stuck with me for a long time. And I, you know, I, I vowed never to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And for people that, you know, that work for you, to leave, to wish them the best and, and hope that you had an impact yeah. on the decisions that they make. So, I mean, that's my story about it, you know. But, but I, I'm, I'm glad, you know, we had a connection. And I always appreciated you and your personality and your perspective and your professionalism. I have a story when you didn't appreciate me. This is a good one because I was a little asshole. And I should, and I, now when I look back at like, 
that whole like meeting and the things that I said, I was like, what a fucking moron. What'd you do? We were, this was like probably four or five months in and we were talking about uh, costs, cost of goods, this and that. And I was, like, I didn't know anything. Right. And I said a bunch of shit that was fucked. And when I look back on it now, I'm like, wow, it must sound like such a fucking idiot. And you were so angry. And you just lean back in your chair and you're like, you know what? You're fired. <laughs> and I was just like, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and we just went on more and more. And obviously you didn't fire me, but I didn't get it. And I still, I didn't get it till now. Yeah. Like I didn't understand till now. Cause now I say a lot of the same fucking things. You hear yourself saying yeah. the same shit I said well, to you? I say a lot of things that, that <laughs> we, we talked about in those three years. Right. You know, like those manager meetings are a lot of that stuff stuck with me for a long time. Good. You know, like it's important to, uh, treat your employees well. But without the business, there are no employees, which is something that I think I probably heard you say 14 times in three years. Yeah. And I didn't say it enough, man. Yeah. I mean, in in general, I think that that there's a real big disconnect. Here's my take on that. I have a lot to say about that, but I'll keep it like if 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 chefs, right, if passionate cooks and chefs and culinarians could put a fraction of their passion that they have for food mm-hmm. around running a successful business, right? Or studying the finance side or looking at costs, right? Because it is, because you could be passionate about that, right? You don't have for to sure. be a fucking accountant to be passionate about figuring shit out, right? So, so if, if people could just put a fraction of their created creative passion and energy around that, I'd make a lot more money. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think I think a lot. If more people did that, a lot more people would own restaurants. Well, I mean, it's a, you know, it's. You think? I think so because the, I think the biggest disconnect in owning a restaurant is understanding that. The food can be great, but if you don't run the operation well, you're fucking going to close anyways. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter how many people come through the door because mm. you could it could be a thousand people a day, but if if the back end of the business is yeah. not ran properly, then you're we fucked. say it all the time. You know, you want to buy that? Make believe it's come. You're writing your check for that. Would mm. you buy it, or would you go get a better price? I mean, we're constantly doing that. Yeah. Well, I th- something I do stress a lot is like, you know, when they. On a food side, when they put shit food in front of me, I was like, do you want to pay 19 bucks for that? Right. How would you feel if you were paying 19 bucks for that? That's Take it. it back and make it worth, like, the money that you're going to pay. Yeah. And then apart from that, from I make it relatable to them because I think that's a lot of times for younger people, that's how they get it. And I say younger, I mean, like, early 20s. Yeah. You know, you treat this incorrectly, it ends up in the garbage, Right. This is money, potentially revenue that we're losing that could essentially one day be in your pocket. Yeah, but how do you illustrate that? I mean, you could just say it. Well, I, for me, there's o- there's only way of saying it. It's like you do your job properly. I mean, we all make more money in the long run. Right. That's really the the biggest thing for me. So we all make more money. Right. More money. I everything is so money driven that it's, and I mean, I got a lo- I got a lot to say about that too, but. <laughs> I mean, we don't have enough time. <laughs> Everything is so money-driven, but at the end of the day, a lot of these younger cooks want to learn, right? But they still want to get—they want to get paid now a lot more to do it. Yeah, but I, I just think—I I just think it's in large part due to our, my, our uh, inability to teach people that are hungry to learn mm-hmm. about the other shit. Not you the mean food. the business side. Right. Yeah. And there, and so when you look at the business, right, you look at the restaurant business, I mean, the food and beverage really are just, a, I wouldn't say a small component, but there's so much that goes into the, the business. Much, much so, more than but, just the but food. disproportionately, it's, you know, it's, it's elevated into this, you know, focus, right, and center of attention to the detriment of profitability. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times um, the food and beverage 
I, I think they could coexist great food and beverage and a great operation. Of course. I know, but a lot of people don't feel that way. And that's why you get a lot of shitty fucking restaurants. Right. They feel like you got to cut on one to make the other one better. Yeah. So I came from a background of buying from like farm produce. You right. know, something that I started when I worked for Norman and then I did more of when I worked for you. Right. So there's a way to make that profitable. You right. just need to be responsible in your spending. Of course. And that's just, that's really what it boils down to. Well, you might have to, you might have to dig deeper on something else. To afford that you, you know, it's like anyone's budget. Right. If you want that, what are you going to sacrifice? Then you could do it without sacrificing the quality of the food you're putting out. You can't, uh, unless you're running like an 11 Madison, something that level, can't have all the toys. Right. And all the the products and all the, all the cooks either. Like you can't, you just can't have all of that. (laughs) I know. So, you know, a lot of people, I tell them. If you're going to open your first restaurant, you need to be very realistic with what you're doing. It's just, I remember, and I won't say who this person was, but the first Ariette menu, right? It was a confused menu. It was like I was a child. <laughs> you know, I still, I'm still young, but I look at that menu now. I'm like, you know, we've grown so much. They looked at one dish and they, they, they had a smirk on their face. And it was just, it was simple. It's burrata and tomatoes. Right. I mean, that's something that you do. Right. A lot of people do. And they left. And I was like, I don't understand what's funny about that. So, well, you know, don't you think you're you're kind of selling out? It's like, How am I selling out? It's good fucking tomato and it's a good piece of burrata. I don't think I'm selling out at all. Right. I think that that I do that so I can sell my foie gras and plantains. I mean, you got you to gotta give a little to take some. So, but that's all with like maturity and time. Right. And even at that point with that menu and me where I was in my life, like, you know, I had a lot of growing to do, but I still understood that. Right. And everyone wants every single dish to be like this fucking home run that it's like, you know, there's going to be someone at the table that just probably just wants a salad. That's just probably how it's going to be. There's a good chance. Yeah. So you're going to have to provide for that person, too. We like those people. I like those people. We have a burger on our menu. We've had a burger on our menu for two and a half years. I mean, I'm okay that you're going to come and eat. Eat my burger. Mm-hmm. I hope that one day you come back and you try the venison. You never know. But if the burger got you, that's right. why the burger lives there. Amen. And it's pretty fucking good. Yes, chef. <laughs> I've so, never had the burger. No, I know. Yeah. I'm aware. Let's not get into that. Let's not talk about things. Bring things up. The last time we visited here, it's fine. It's been a while, man. No, I know. And that's you know, too- I don't get out. Yeah. I don't get out much. Um, cleansing and... Fasting. Yeah, fasting. This is the third time, second time, the last three times that we met that you've been like fasting or... Is that right? Yeah, yeah. One time it was like tea. I can only have tea. I was, like, <laughs> I was off the coffee. Yeah. I wasn't like... fasting or cleansing. I just wasn't <laughs> drinking coffee. <laughs> the fuck, man? I like that you call it the coffee. <laughs> I was the off co- the coffee. The coffee. <laughs> right now I'm off the coffee and the alcohol. Oh, man. Yeah, I've been I've been almost two years with no alcohol. I know. A year and See, I don't long, make fun of you. Long time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I talk about Cyprus a lot. I talk about my experience there a lot. Mm-hmm. I know you're pretty passionate about that place. Yeah. What would you say would be something you took away from that experience? <clears throat> well, the obvious thing for me is that I would have took the blinders off and probably closed the two years earlier. I could have saved a lot of money. Yeah. You know, I just wanted it to be busier. And, uh, you know, it, I remember it was. Yeah. In the interest of context for the person who doesn't. Let's talk a little bit about what Cyprus was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, sure. We're kind of a big deal and not everybody's here. It was uh, it was. That's uh, a good point. <laughs> I'll give you the quick rundown. You know, it was a, for me, it was a gem. And it was a throwback restaurant to to a time that was different. And it spoke to Miami. Um, it was, you know, it was a lot of dark cypress wood and some animal heads until people didn't like the animal heads. And, so crazy. You know, but it was a fine dining restaurant. They were, you know, it was it was white tablecloth. And I remember we used to, you know, have the, the irons out in between turns. Yeah you know, pressing the, the tablecloths and it was just, you know, it was that kind of place. It was a beautiful bar. It was small. It was intimate. 
and it was more, how would you say, traditional dining, right? Yeah. It was a time when, uh, you know, so what, six, five, six years ago, right? Seven yeah. years ago. Seven. Was, um, you know, when people order, you know, I, I think it was the, 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 the gastro pub was very popular. Yeah. And everything it was, was very against the grain. pork centric and everything was small plates and share. And so Cypress Room was not that. It was like fancy and order an appetizer, order an entree and, and, you know, and, and so bone china and it was beautiful. Wood, wood grill. And so that's what Cypress was. Rotisserie. But, you know, I think that. You know, I mean, you could point to a lot of things that that I think were going against it, but I, you know, it's hard for me to understand. I don't. I still don't understand it. Right. I was there every day for three yeah. years. Yeah, it was an exquisite restaurant. So anyway, uh, but that was my takeaway: is that you know I wanted to do something different, and I'm not going to stop doing that. I think that that's what we do anyway. But. Um, yeah, I probably could have pulled the plug a little a little early on that. But I don't know. I maybe it could have been a little bigger with a bar that could accommodate more people. I I don't know. I don't know. Like what do you think? I think it, it like that's hyper analyzing. It's just I think to an extent there was like the gastro pub movement yeah. and that food too elevated for Miami. I don't know. I, I hate mean, to say I, that. like I hate to say that too cuz I don't I don't think that's totally true. I think that um there's the a surf lot. clubs doing it now. Yeah, but they're also in a hotel. It's like an unfair advantage. Yeah, and they're in one like one of the most expensive hotels in Miami. You like that hotel? I, you know, I mean, it's a fucking. I like going there. It's beautiful. I like. I haven't been to the other restaurant, La Sierra News. Right, but it looks. I mean, I love going to the surf club. See, that's like how I like to. Yeah, you know. It's either like really, really like shitty food or like really amazing yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the in between. So, so I don't know what happened, but I think um, it doesn't really matter like what happened. I just know that in twenty years, people will still talk about that restaurant. Yeah, for yeah. for like the for, best is after it closed. Oh right? yeah, and it's oh man. I'm well, so what sad. happened to Cyprus? Yeah, yeah. What happened is that you never fucking. Yeah, that's came. right, you never. That's came. the fucking problem. <laughs> that's what happened. It's, I told you all the time. What happened there? Yeah. I don't know. Damn, yeah. When was the last time you went? Three yeah. years ago. No yeah. fucking shit. That's what happened. Exactly. It's just it's crazy. We did. It was the food was incredible. Like it was, it incredible. was the food was incredible. The service was incredible. The cocktails were incredible. The entire like one thing I'll never forget is how picky you were about the music yeah and that's a big reason why i choose every song that we play everywhere you do yeah every single one just how's that I, going rough i've yeah. seen you, i've seen you get upset that something was playing that you didn't pick yeah no you can't you can't it's rough we gotta talk on. about that no and it's just come on like you're but you're that restaurant was an experience that was you a know, very whole, personal expression yeah for me i worked on it i mean i designed it i I decorated it. I was there. All that shit. Yeah. Never do that again. There's a little like Easter eggs of the Cypress room here. Like plenty of them. Yeah. Just like I told you about those Wedgwood plates. Good. The, there's that boar head that's on the wall. Yeah. And like really no one ever mentions that thing. But it's literally there because of Cypress. Well, we had like the six white-tailed deer heads peering down on the guests. And then the big marlin. Then we had to take that off. I got the marlin. The oh, marlin's yeah. going up soon. The marlin. And then there was another one that was smaller, no? I don't know. It was a great place. Awesome. All right, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So, what else you got? I, I'm going to take that. Uh, <laughs> move that right up to the front right. of the episode. Yeah, Michael's genuine. Yeah. Is 12 years old now. Be 13 in March. 13 in March. Yeah. So Michael's Genuine opened 13 years ago, and you told me a story once about the first 18 months there. Mm-hmm. And uh, What did I, I say? Because I don't remember. Well, okay. So I'll tell, tell you the story that you told me. The story you told me, it was our last uh, meeting before I left Cyprus, mm-hmm. and um, you were talking about like what it – what it's really like to open up a restaurant mm-hmm. and me, I was like, yeah, you know, whatever you're just talking about how difficult the first, um, 
year was and how from like one to the next. And obviously you got an, an amazing review and then it was like we just like quadrupled mm-hmm. our sales yeah. essentially in a matter of like three months. And you told me, you were like, this is the last step. If this doesn't work, I'm moving to Mexico. Yeah. And that was like, uh, that's something that also stuck with me forever because I, when Ariet was doing very poorly, I was like, I'm going to fight this motherfucker to the end. And if it doesn't work, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do, but I'm probably out of here. Yeah. So I love Mexico. It was, I think it was Guatemala, actually. Whatever. This is the story you told me. <laughs> so tell people about, like, because everyone's just like, and I talk to people all the time. I was like, yeah, Michael's just super fucking busy all the time. Yeah, but it wasn't always like it that. It was not always like that. It's, you know, I mean, it would be great if it's like that. I mean, I've opened a lot of restaurants. Some of them are busy out of the gate. And then you worry about that, too. Are we too busy too early? Is it going to just die out? Is it that trend factor? You yep. see it all the time. The new hotspot opens and it's packed. And then, you know, 16 months later, it's closed. So... I don't know. I mean, you know, when I opened Michael's Genuine Food and Drink, it was my last ditch effort. And I was, you know, I was depressed about Miami and the scene and I couldn't put a deal together. I had a, you know, a growing family, three kids. And, um, you know, I had this idea and we picked the spot and we put the investment together and it was brutal. We had to raise more money get to the finish line open where is everybody you know so all those conversations but but you know i mean perseverance and you believe in what you do and you know some things happen and i'm not going to say luck but you know certain things happened around the district and and uh you know and then the new york times review was the really the one i mean it was a series of things esquire did a piece and we got good local reviews and then it just sort of started to snowball. Well, would you say that's the beginning of a lot of change in Miami? Because I would say that. Well, it's hard for me to, you know, people say that, right? I say that. I just said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People say that. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to see. Yeah, But, yeah, I can look back and say, yeah. I mean, that restaurant changed, I think, the way people looked at certainly fine dining in this town, you know, that it didn't have to be this, didn't have to have a tablecloth. Although in the beginning, in the very beginning, we had tablecloths and white butcher paper on the tables. Wow. Um, but it didn't need to be that uh, that level of formality for it to be awesome, mm-hmm. you know. And, and um, you know, I think back then, so we opened in 2007. And in 2010, I won the James Beard Award, which – is it was another amazing thing and the only reason that i bring it up is because i remember talking to people when i opened michael's genuine and specifically people that i won't say who they were but would say that this is not a james beard award-winning caliber of a restaurant right <laughs> because of its informality right and that you know and that at that moment in the in the in those years 2007 8 9 10 that just shifted All of that shit went out the window. So did it change the way Miami looked at dining and and sourcing? I think so. Yeah. Proud of that. You know, I don't know. How do you feel 13 years later? About Michael's Genuine? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a. I love it. Would you say that there's like a certain kind of feeling with the first, like, I mean, that's like your first restaurant that it's hard to get with any other restaurant yeah it's you well it I, for me it depends like that was a success so that you always want to like bottle that shit right yeah you want to do every one but i think it's i think it's interesting because you forget i mean certainly i even do sometimes that it wasn't instant you know and we live in instant gratification you know society and you know you in the minute the minute it's not as busy as you think it should be Oof. Then you just start doubting yourself. Oh man, it's and it's the a fucking and worst. it's the death spiral, oh. right? So you know, but I mean, on one hand, you got to persevere and stay with it, and and put your head down, and, and then on the other hand, it could be a Cyprus where you just have blinders on, mm. and you're just a dumbass, and everyone's like, "What are you doing?" 
flushing money down the toilet. So there's no, you know, yeah, if you open a restaurant, it's busy, it has critical acclaim, you always want to replicate that, but it's, it's kind of hard. I think, um, I mean, we turned four in January. So, I mean, I've seen like the very dark days. I've yeah. seen like the very like incredible days. Yeah. So now we have, over the last eight or nine months, we've hired some great additions to the team and, you know, we're on like a good trend and they'll just mention like, oh, you know, we weren't as busy today as I, I would have liked. And then I'll look at the books and the numbers and I'm just like, I mean, this day, two years ago, we did 14 covers right. for brunch. I worked the line alone yeah, with yeah, one yeah. server and one busser nice. and that was it. And now we did 130 for brunch and it's like, uh, it's kind of quiet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. I mean, I, I, I like where your head's at, but it's just like, you know, and then you have that one day, it's like, then you have like a, like a day, and you're right. It's weird because you can't get away from it. You, you can never get away from that feeling of like, it was a little slower today. Like, what, is this, what does this mean? Well, I think that, you know, I, I mean, if you're good at what you do and you're creative, you're always going to question, you know, and you're, I, I mean, it, that never ends. Never stops for me. Could always be better. Should have done it different. I always second guess myself. It doesn't mean I'm not confident. It right. just means I'm a fucking neurotic piece of thoughtful work. is a better word. You're thoughtful. Sure. Yeah, you're thoughtful. It's yeah. a good way to put it. You that you dine a lot everywhere and go a lot of places. I mean, do you see the the level of dining in Miami improving or no? That's a tough one too. Exclude your own places. Tough, you're me. asking the tough questions, I, chef. You know, um, it's hard for me to say. And I, why? Because on one hand, I want to say every time I go to another city, I feel like they got us beat, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, there's some good homegrown talent, you know. So I, I don't. Maybe the grass is always greener. I think. I think when I go to other cities, I really enjoy myself. Yeah. And I think that the food is great. But I also eat out a lot here. Yeah. And I would say equally. You I think mean, it's getting better? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, th I think we can. But it has. I, I mean, so so I could, I'll rephrase the answer to the question. Okay. For sure. You know, look, when I moved here 25 years ago, and there were nothing but club restaurants then. Oh. And so I felt like there was an opportunity to carve out some legitimate dining, right? And so if you fast forward from then to now, I mean, every year it gets better. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've said this about Miami. It's grown up. It's gotten more confident. There's, there's you know, people doing really cool shit. So for sure it's getting better. Um, is it keeping pace with some of the other cities? I don't know. I think it's hard to keep pace with places like New York, Chicago, and LA. They've just been around so much longer. Yeah. The scene has just been around so much longer. Like yeah. imagine a restaurant like Frenchette here in Miami. Mm -hmm. Like how many people would really get that? Yeah, it was Cypress. Right. I wasn't gonna say <laughs> that, but you did. So I it mean was. it's true. Like Frenchette, when I ate there, I was like, I mean, this is yep. fucking Cypress. It was terrine with a little salad and yep. bread. I was like, we fucking had the same thing. Yeah. And you know what? I was sitting two tables away from Mark Murphy in a full dining room for lunch on a Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, they get it here. Like, this is the people understand. Yeah. The truth is, just dining in general, we're only going to be as good as how much support we receive from the community. Yeah, I, I, I get you. I get you. Because we can, some, we can push the envelope. And I think there's, a, there's some people doing some good work to get the word out. And certainly people like you pretty active on on instagram and social media and championing you know miami shit mm. and so we need more of that i think and there's some people doing good work i feel not just chefs yeah they're yeah they're sure there are i i just it's <laughs> so loaded i don't want to like go back down this rabbit hole because it's like how um fucking trying to be nice. Man. I know, man. I mean, me too. You I know we're trying fucking, to be, we're, Can I'm we do that? Can we do the alternative show that no one will hear? Yeah, we did that last podcast a whole hour recorded just so I could listen to it myself. 
It was incredible. But, I mean, it's true. Like, so many people are so so quickly will bury you. Yeah. And, like, how – are they even good at their fucking job? Really? Like, that's really the thing. Like, are they – how – what what makes you an authority on – Michael Schwartz comes to my restaurant and tells me my food is shit. I'll be like, I – well, that's real life. Like, I believe that because Michael Schwartz knows what he's talking about. Right. But, you know, somebody that doesn't have that kind Joe of... Joe Blogger, food writer whatever, guy. You know what I mean? It's like somebody asked me this question the other day and I was like, would you ask a janitor to fly a spaceship? And they were like, no. I was like, so why do you deserve to write about my food? And that's just like, it, to me, that's the way that it works. Right. Like, So we... There's so many incredible writers that know so much about food. Right. Right? Yeah. But that's that doesn't mean it's all of them. Like yeah. all that doesn't mean that you're all that. You know, like all of you people don't encompass that statement that I just said. Yeah. So it just, you know, this is where my brain is. And it's hard for me to just not say that all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> Great story. When I uh worked for you. This was like four months in. Somehow, something I said ended up in an article about uh, uh, some Cuba trip. And they quoted me because I'm a Cuban-American chef or whatever. And all I remember was uh, Jackie just like, you should probably run these things by me before you say stuff. I'm like, I don't know. It's on fucking Facebook. That was the first time oh, I, I remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. It was people. The gentleman's trip. people doing food trip. Food trips to Cuba. Yeah. And it was just like. And you were against it. Of course, I'm still against it. And there was a chef that was spearheading that. Yeah, Jamie DeRosa. Yeah, he spearheaded it. I'm pretty sure. Jamie DeRosa and... Well, Douglas Rodriguez. Him, which blows my mind that he's Cuban and he would spearhead that fucking nightmare. He's still doing it. That's called money grabs. That's him (laughs) trying to put money in his fucking pocket. I don't... He's great. His food changed a lot of things, but it doesn't matter what he's doing. He's fucking wrong. Right. So, anyways, I'm going to... forget what the point was. I digress. We're just talking about things. So, um, if you now, I mean, if you were to give any advice to a younger generation of chefs, what would it be? Oh, man. Really? Yeah, man. That's a fucking stupid question. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I was thinking about on the way over, though? I was like, what the fuck is he going to ask me? I couldn't help. No, here's here's what I was thinking about. Because people complain now about a lot, including me, about <laughs> the about not in general. Yeah, no, never. About the work ethic of the millennials. Right? Okay. Do you? No. I don't. Straight up. No, I mean I, I complain about the work, work ethic, ethic of, of cooks. A, of a lazy person. Right, right. Right. I mean millennials, like I'm not Whatever. I mean, I think people are just lazy. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I... St- How old are you? 34. Right. So we're, you know... I'm a fucking baby boomer. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the last year of the fucking baby boomer. No shit. You look great, though, shit. Thank you, man. Yeah. I wasn't even fishing for a compliment, <laughs> but my point is this. Here's my point. My generation of culinarians came up in kitchens with hard-ass chefs getting yelled at working 100 hours a week, mm-hmm. um, low self-esteem, uh, you know, physical ailments, as well as probably some mental. Plenty. Right? And then where did that wind everyone up as a degenerate, alcoholic, overweight, bad health, right? Mm-hmm. So compare that. I just think that, like, that's a broken system that that, that doesn't really work, Right. I grew up in it. I came up in it. But contrast that to now where younger people want to balance their work life, life, right? And not work 100 hours and not get yelled at. And we don't know what the effects are going to be. Maybe they'll be drug addict and degenerate cooks too. Mm -hmm. But that's all I was thinking is that and I've caught myself, you know, complaining about people that, you know, you got to coddle now that you can't, you know, I mean. None of that is false, though. 
politically correctness and, and the Me Too stuff. And I, actually all the behavior that goes on in a kitchen has right. totally changed. But you almost have to walk on eggshells. And I was wondering, I was thinking today, is that is that a bad is that bad? Is that bad for our business? I don't I don't think it's all bad. It's not. I don't I don't think it's all bad. Like there's a lot of good that's gonna come out of that. Right. But I I often have a hard time understanding why I just like why do you want a day off? I don't know. Like that's I'm fucked up though. Like why do you why do you need a day off for? Right. You know and deep inside my brain I know like this person just needs to rest. That's fine. <laughs> but it's like I think about like what do you need a day off for? Well, what? Maybe they need to do laundry or go I, shop. I, or, I understand that, but so have a you know I, I want something. I want I want to continue to push the envelope and to be better. Yeah. And I know, yeah. like, I'm, but I'm, I am not telling people to be like me at all. Yeah, at yeah. all whatsoever. Well, I tell yeah, them, you are. I'm not telling them. You are. I'm not. I tell them all the it's time. Not what Take I your hear. days off. Take them. Tell them. It's not what I hear. I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know what you hear, but <laughs> I tell don't be like me. Yeah. And I go back to this. This is also a phrase that I learned from you. I said, I was butchering fish one day. You walked into the back of the kitchen, asked me how my day was going. I said something. And I was like, I just want to be like you when I grow up. And you said, you don't want to be like me when you grow up. Yeah. And it stuck with me. And now I tell people that all the time. Well. Because, but just this, going back to what you just said, I feel like there's a lot of, men, the mental thing of wanting to be a chef and wanting to be great, there's more behind that. Like, why do you just want to work so much and right. not stop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? There's some. There's something there. Yeah. The, and that's for, there's a lot of us like that. I'm not right. saying you're like that. But I don't you're know, never going to build a team of those people. You're going to have those people, and you got to recognize that they are what they are, and right. they'll be special. But my thing is that you, to be successful, you have to build a team of people that are willing to collaborate and do what it takes as a team. Mm -hmm. And so some of those people are the ones that want their two days off and don't want to go over 45 hours or 40 hours. And some of them are going to be people that are up for whatever. And so how do you, you know, recognize who's who and nurture that as, you know, as a unit, as opposed to putting everyone in the same fucking box? Well, nurturing is a good word. I, I think that... Uh, a big part of like the older generation of chefs didn't love to nurture talent. No, they didn't want to nurture. They didn't mm -hmm. want to. They didn't really want to teach. I dealt with like a fuck ton of that in Tough my career, work. and they just, you know, you learn by you know getting shit thrown at you and just fucking getting berated on the line or whatever the fuck it was, and you learned, and because you didn't want to do that again. Not saying that that's right. right. I'm just saying that that's like how they taught you. Nurturing is something that I personally tried to do a lot i will from the garmo guy all the way up to the grill guy sit with them and just talk to them about stuff yeah about whatever it could be about a fucking football game it could be whatever i just want to know what it takes for you to function that's what i'm talking about i want to know what well, it takes that for connection you to and then people want that they need that then you could yell at them right <laughs> It's true. Yeah. I mean, it sounds terrible, but it's true. Yeah. Well, they take it differently. But well, everyone yeah, also everyone. needs to be managed differently. That's total. That's that's true. Everyone in the world is a different human being that needs to be managed differently. Because if not, you can't treat everyone the same way. You can't treat a 45-year-old line cook the same way that you would treat a 22-year-old line cook. Right. Because essentially, they're just, it's just different. It just is. So... All right. Okay. Where are you from again? Philly? Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Why did you come here? Well, I moved here from New York in 1994. Seemed like a good good idea at the time. There was no reason why you wanted to move here? No. Specifically? I, I mean, I saw opportunity to open a restaurant that was not a club place and to, uh, you know, to be in a sunny beautiful environment i mean miami beach was happening back then there was a lot of stuff going on mm. and so i just you know i i don't know seemed like a good idea literally That's it? yeah i didn't have a plan you know we i so 
my former business partner when I moved here uh, lived and, and had businesses in New York. And, you know, I worked for him for a short time. We hit it off. We wanted to open a restaurant together. We looked around New York. We talked about where else we could, you know, visit. We started coming to Miami. And then we found a spot and we and then signed a lease and then I moved here. What was that spot? Nemo. Oh, Nemo. Yeah. Isn't that with Frank Gennetti? Frank Gennetti was the chef there. Man. For I real. worked for him for like 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. Where? <laughs> Uh, at um, man, it's a fucking hotel. It's the Here? only time I ever, yeah, in Miami. Only, yeah, only time I ever been in a hotel before or after after Nemo. Mostly yeah, yeah, after. Uh, yeah, but man, he talked about Nemo. Oof, God, and those like three weeks I worked for him, exhaustingly. It was like you guys were best friends. Really? Oh man, back in Nemo and back in Nemo. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He tough. used to work. He used to work for Jonathan Eisman. Right, which I heard about a lot. And also. then he moved over to Nemo, and he was there for for a while. He did a good job. Where was Nemo again? First in Collins. Oh, wow. It's now uh, Prime Fish. Ah, Prime Fish. Yeah. That was, uh, our bar is on the same block, the scapegoat. Ah. Yeah. So it's like a- Right the, there. The door next door. I, it's news to me. I'm just saying. I've, I've heard was, of that place. I didn't know that that was the original Nemo space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And First then after Nemo? What did I do? Yeah. Him and I opened f- five restaurants together in seven years. Closed a couple. Mm. Big Pink. Oh, yes. Was next. Then we did another Big Pink up in Fort Lauderdale. That was a disaster. We opened a sushi bar next to Nemo called Shoji. Mm. That was good for a while. Um, where else? There was one more. What year was that? Which one? 95 we opened Nemo. And then you opened up? Big Pink in like 97. Uh, and then you waited till 2007 for Michael's Genuine. Yeah, there was a big gap there that uh, when I split with my partner before I opened Genuine that mm. I did some weird shit that I'd rather not talk about. <laughs> not a happy time yeah. for well, me. We, no. we all go through unhappy well, times. But you could probably... Google it and see some sh- weird shit. There are any dishes that were on that opening Michael's menu that are still on there? A lot of the snacks were original snacks. The hominy, the deviled eggs, the falafel. Um, Pig ears? Chips and dip. Pig ears came a little after. Um, but that whole snack part of the menu is pretty much original. What about the duck? There's all kinds of variations of duck confit. Right. The onion stuff with the ground lamb, that goes on and off. Uh, the whole, you know, the whole extra large section, mm-hmm. big steak, whole fish, whole chicken. Those are all staples. And then, you know, most of the middle of the menu, like the pork belly was not on the original menu. But yeah, but it, that's like. But it came shortly after. So some of it, you know, and then we have, like, I have boxes of old menus. Every menu. So every menu, when we print the menu every day, every menu's uh, printed and saved. So I have boxes. And so it's fun to go look in the old shit and see stuff that we want to bring back. We do that. Have sessions, archive sessions. Harry's was how many years after? What was that like? The original Harry's is the one by Michael's. Yeah. I'm going to say... I don't even know. So I feel like it's probably, it probably yeah, it's probably seven, eight years. Seven or eight years, yeah. Because yeah. I remember when I was at Cyprus, it was some kind of birthday. Harry's, yeah, maybe eight, could be nine. I don't know. Coconut Grove, uh, Harry's turned four. That's crazy. That's nuts. It's already been four years. Right. Well, you're four. Yeah, January fourteenth. Yeah, yeah. So what's next now? Chef. I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you jerk. Um, you know, we just came off a pretty big growth spurt. We opened six restaurants in 18 months. So I, went, gonna... I, I went to the Michael's Genuine in Cleveland. You you did a dinner up there at the Plum. How yeah, was it? It was great. Yeah. I got to nice say, guy. it was like uh, uh, Michael's Genuine in Cleveland was 
Like really Michael's good. Genuine? Yeah, I was like, I, it was kind of weird because it's like going to Michael's Genuine. Well, it's a little it's, different uh, decor. But you know, still it was like similar-ish. Yeah, it's a similar vibe. That was supposed to be a pizzeria. And then we flipped midstream. That would have been a big pizzeria. Yeah. I feel like it's a big restaurant. Yeah, it's not that big, but yeah, a little bit. Right. Um, what were you saying? Oh, just talking about oh, what's next? Six restaurants. So yeah, in we're so months. we're like gonna not open restaurants for a little while. Although we are doing a Harry's on Miami Beach. Oh yeah, and that'll be like February. How's Tiger Tail thus far? Great. Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like you know this better than anyone. Like. Grovites are tough, but once you, you know, once, once you win they them over, you. they love you forever. Yeah. So I feel like we had a little bit of a foot in the door with Harry's, mm. uh, and there was great anticipation for that restaurant to open. So it's doing well. Brunch, lunch, dinner now. It's, I feel like the Grove is on, um, it's like a good trend right now. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's happening at Cocoa Walk, but I can tell you everything that's happening at Cocoa Walk. Won't hurt, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, they're opening up some, I feel like it's, some restaurants that are pretty similar to shit that we already have. Yeah. But a lot of office space. You know, the movie theater will reopen again. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm much younger in this game. So, like, I am always concerned about things happening around me. Like, mm-hmm. what is this going to do to me long term? Saturation. Yeah. And I, I'm more, uh, I think that Cocoa Walk is going to be great. I don't know the whatever they're doing on the, on the, uh, by Scotty's is a little more of a thing for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be, you know, they could do great, like, um, and it could help, or it could be like another Bayside and not help. Right, 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 right. Stuff right. it with chilies and aficionado. You never know. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happening over there. Really, this is your, it's your neighborhood. It's not. I mean, we. We both have two restaurants in the neighborhood, so it's equally our neighborhood. It's our neighborhood. Yeah. Our neighborhood. This land is your land. <laughs> this land is my land. Do you have any parting thoughts for the people, Chef? Hmm. Well, b- before we get to parting thoughts. Well, I mean, give them a chance to, you know, well, but, say his things. But, well, no, I'm saying like... Let that marinate. If you want to give yourself some time to think about parting oh. thoughts. Oh. We also like to, toward the end of the episode... In, Offer parting recommendations. Mm. This can be anything. You read a thing, you ate a thing, you watched a thing. Mm. I have two things. Okay. I have two things. I'm reading a book. I don't read a lot of books. You read books? All the time. You do? I do. For real? Yeah, yeah. I don't don't watch TV. Fucking annoying. (laughs) It's uh, it's a good one. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Uh Talking to Strangers. Awesome. I, I just cracked it, but I saw him like uh, being interviewed like mm-hmm. on a TV show because I do watch TV. <laughs> so it's not a lot. I watch you Netflix. Know. Uh, it's the same shit. He's just like, you just like to be able to say, oh, I don't watch TV. I don't, I don't have watch, cable. I don't have cable. I don't have cable. I, I love that. Cable. It's true. I You're fucking cable. on your Netflix computer no, for it's fucking not the same 14 hours a day, but I don't watch TV. Anyway, talking to strangers. So I saw him interview about this book. And it's it's pretty interesting. So it goes something like this. I think that we're all trained to just assume that people that we meet that are strangers are either not bad people, but want something or makes us uncomfortable. And his theory is that if you just have the opposite approach, right, just assume that everyone that you're going to meet in your in your day is good and wants to do good and that good will help you be better. And that's the premise for the book. And there there's a lot of examples and he talks about Adolf Hitler who obviously wasn't a good guy, but 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 just that I that premise, right, of just assume everyone is not after your money or going to, you know, fuck you up or mm-hmm. gonna you know so talking okay. to strangers it's tough check it out it's great I know but it's tough though. and you said you had two it's not tough I'll give you an example sure I was driving the other day this is a great example of this book exactly I was driving the other day and my flat the tire pressure light came on so I pulled over I was driving on Alton Road and I pulled into 
the golf, the the country club. What is it? The golf course. So I pulled in, and then I pulled over to the side, and it was in the morning. And I got out to look at my tires, and a guy rolled up on his golf cart, and he was obviously a golf course employee. And I had the music on, and I got back into my car, and I'm like, "Oh, what is this guy fucking gonna break my balls?" Because I pulled into the parking lot. You know, and he and he pulls up and he's saying something and the fucking music's on. So I turn it off. I'm like, what? He's like, do you need some air? And I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> he just wanted to help. And yeah. I just assumed that he was going to give me a hard time because I pulled into the private. Cl- so anyway, talking to strangers, check it out. Yeah. And you said, did you say you had two? Two things. Oh, yeah. I went to, have you been to hometown barbecue? I have not yet. Awesome. Yeah. I went hundred percent. I went to go look at the build out. More Miami needs more of that shit. Yeah, I think it's a really, it's very cool how they built it. Awesome. Those JNR smokers are just. So I didn't nice. even look at the back. I yeah. just I just went and saddled up to the bar and ate some really good food in a cool environment in the middle of fucking nowhere. Alapata. love it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to go there. You should go. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, I feel like every episode has a totally unplanned cigar snob mention. Perfect. But I was up in Daytona. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I was in Daytona Beach uh, to uh, visit a new hotel, and part of it was that they set up a uh, the NASCAR driving experience at Daytona International Speed. I am not a NASCAR fan. I have never. Watched it more than the time it took me to flip through the channels. Yeah. If you are anywhere near Daytona and you can book this driving experience thing, holy shit. You drove? Yes. On the track? So I didn't really... you could do that down here at uh, Homestead. But this is a bigger track. So oh, it's a, a, little bit, a little bit different. It's a little bit different. <laughs> it's a bigger track. I'm just yeah. saying. Like, cause yeah. people who had done it were like... Because okay, they had done Homestead or they had done Vegas. Like, this is a different animal. Right. Uh, so what, what kind of car did you drive? I couldn't even tell you. I think it was the number twenty-two. It was That's a NASCAR. Right. It was yeah. It was, a, it was like a stock car with the roll cage. It was the whole thing. I just was in. Not to. I don't even want to one up your story. No, at no, all. No. Please do. But I was just in Singapore for the Formula One race. You already one up me. Ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And I'm not a Formula One guy yeah. at all. But I didn't drive a Formula One car on yeah. the track. So, so this you one up me. So they they do the, the it's like a tiered thing. So if it's your first time, they'll top you out at something like 150 miles an hour, give or take. But I didn't realize until I was in the orientation and they were explaining what was about to happen. Because all this was like arranged for me. And right, I right. I didn't take the time to... Driving like, experience. In the middle legit. of it, I was, I was like, what the f- Like, they're going to let me do this? Yeah. Like, this is about to happen? And I'm on this track with like eight other people. Really? Uh, yeah. And more so, people on the track? Yes. Oh, man. And I'm passing some like Brazilian tourist who what? didn't understand half of the instructions he was given because he didn't speak English. Did anyone crash? No. It was a fucking miracle. Um, but that's really the crazy part that nobody crashed. Hours. Yes, nobody crashed. And they keep doing it. I assume people yeah, almost yeah, never yeah. crash. So but. you could buy an experience down in Homestead. Yeah. But like, with other you, people on the track? No, I don't think so. No. I mean, you pick all, your car. I guess it's all NASCAR, though. Like if, if NASCAR is doing it, they probably do it the same way at every You're just signing all those permissions. Slips, I right? signed a waiver you know, that I did not read. Right. That you did not read. Yeah, I did not read the waiver. Nobody reads them. Yeah. I even like it's one of those things where you sign it with your mouse on a screen. And yeah. It's like this isn't real. This isn't real. <laughs> um, so I'm also going to recommend a second thing, another podcast. Oh, so when you're done listening to all episodes of Pancom Podcast, <laughs> uh, check out the Fifth Column Podcast. Oh yeah, if you're into like commentary on news and shit. So that is uh, Camille Foster from Freethink, um, Michael Moynihan from Vice, and uh, Reason Magazine's Matt Welch. Uh, they're usually the panel, and then they'll bring somebody else. Like they've, and they've like a pretty wide range of people, like an editor from Mother Jones and somebody from the Federalist. And nice. so, if you're a news a news commentary person, I'm going to write it down. The fifth column. No, nah, I mean, just column. it's good. Go ahead. Man. Um, I don't really have any things. Oh, you got to have a thing. No, I mean, you know, just trying to open this restaurant, so I'm not really outside world. Do you have a thing? I mean. Um, I had uh, dinner at Amara. It was great. There's my. It's not a thing. What book are you reading? If you read so many fucking books, I just actually prove it. (laughs) Prove it, asshole. Uh, What am I reading currently? Uh, Well, I mean, right now I just have cookbooks on my table. 
So Bar Tartine, the Latouche cookbook, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Seafood Charlie Trotter book is on my table right now. Wow. Yeah. Digging. Go pretty. Uh, Paul Bertoli's on wow. my table right now. Yeah. Old shit. Those are all books I bought when I was at Cypress, too. They're like the ones that are just very frequent. Frequented a lot. Mm. Um, cool. But I really don't have like any other things. That's pretty much it. Thanks for coming on the show. It's my pleasure, man. Thanks we're for having to, me. We're about to do some shameless plugs. Right? Oh, shameless plugs. On, that's right. You keep forgetting about I this. I forget about it. This is all the, the stuff that we have to do. Yeah. So, well, but you're also welcome to shame. So all the URLs and places you want to shame. He's not going to remember plug. any of those. You can do any, however, however many you're you want to remember. Or just say, you just can, go you to can like, take you, a hard pass on this. Yeah. I don't even know what the fuck either of you are talking no, about. No, like yeah. like your own you restaurants. Do, like you do a and shameless book. plug, oh. so then you understand and all that what kind you of mean. Stuff. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, all the URLs go to, and go yeah, here, go there, buy this book, all that <laughs> shit. How do people give you their money is the point. Yeah. You go first. Okay, yeah. so you can listen to Pancom Podcast. Find all the past episodes at daydemag.com slash Podcast. You can hear us on all of the podcasting things. Follow us on all the social media things at Bang Gong Podcast, and for as little as a buck a month, you can be a supporter of this thing on Patreon. Also, thanks to the Gahachina people, if you would also like to join the Gahachina people in the Great apparently product. very questionable decision of giving us your money, no. we'll shout you out <laughs> on this podcast. I didn't want to say. You can get in touch with us at info at dadmag.com or Podcast at dadmag.com. And uh, one of the things on that, by the way, quickly going back to the Patreon thing, and we'll cut this bit out if you're not willing to do this, uh, but I would like to have uh, Chef Michael Schwartz sign this copy of Genuine Pizza, and then somebody who's supporting this thing online may win it in some sort of a drawing. Nice. Yeah. So you got to sign it. That's why I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know, I actually meant to bring some copies, and I forgot them. I'm shocked by all that. The uh, plugs, <laughs> the plugs for me: uh, Ariat Miami, Chugs Diner, Nave Miami. Those are the things. Pig Inc. is my personal. So be on the lookout for uh, an opening date for Nave Miami coming yeah. next week. The date. Of the date's gonna, coming next. The week. date's gonna come next week. Right. Yeah, looking so. forward to that. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to finally opening. Yeah, be great. Beautiful. So, thanks again, Chef. Thank you, guys. No shameless plugs. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. No, good stuff. Go to All Nave right. and Aria <laughs> Jugs. Listen to Uncle Podcast. There it is. <laughs> Adios.